Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Just like that, the second hour is here. Hot Mike with Hutton and with Roe. Glad you're with us across the Outkick Network. It includes the YouTube page where you can search out Outkick. We stream live each and every day starting at 3 o'clock Eastern. Catch all the shows, clips, and more on demand through the Outkick channel on YouTube. Hope you'll subscribe. Join Chad in the chat. Help him out with Royce. Royce um, Who's blowing it was up. upset that I said I was going to knock him out of oh. the chat. And uh, not really, though. I said, Royce, I'm joking. I don't yeah. even, first off, I don't know how to. Even if I wanted to, I wouldn't know how to kick someone out of the chat permanently. But Royce, to his credit, said, oh, cool. I'm glad I'm not kicked out. And then, you know what he did? He cooled his jets. <laughs> There's been less Slow Royce. Slow the roll. Slow the roll. Less Royce now in the, um, in the chat. And someone right after that reminded everyone, please smash that like button at any and all times. We appreciate that. Charlie Arnott will join us in 20 minutes from Outkick. Looking forward to that. Chad, uh, over the weekend we saw where Mike Vrabel, head coach of the Titans, handed things over as the uh, head coach in the preseason game to Terrell Williams. His defensive line coach and assistant head coach took over all things head coaching duties as soon as the Titans flew on Friday to Chicago and all the way through the game day operations on Saturday through press conferences and more as the acting head coach. Uh, to get the experience, but also get his name out there uh, in order to potentially get some job opportunities and be a head coaching candidate. From the college level, we're seeing that with Lane Kiffin, who Derek Nix, who has been with Ole Miss for many different regimes, upwards of 20 years now, uh, remains on the staff. He's the assistant head coach. He's a wide receivers coach. And Kiffin handed things over, handed the whistle to him, during, I believe, the Rebels' first scrimmage, first full game-like scrimmage, and after that, pointed out the lack of diversity from SEC and Big 12 programs uh, across the board as far as minority coaches go. Uh, what did you make of that, and what do you make of Kiffin bringing this to the forefront? Well, I mean, he's not wrong. It is an overwhelming number of white head coaches in a sport that is not majority white players. Yeah, all 28 jobs yeah. are... And he's, he's talking specifically Big 12 and SEC. SEC. Yeah, all 28 jobs. So there is a disconnect there, right? Um, a big part of the problem, as I try to not sneeze into the microphone okay. right now, um, a big part of the problem. I know where you're going with this. If you need, is that I think I got it. Okay. My my if my eyes are watering, but I think I've I've held it in properly. Nepotism. Um. What? Why are there so many whitehead coaches? Well, I mean, we could get into a lot of societal issues and and dive into that further. But one big part of the problem is there's a lot of nepotism in football coaching. It's just reality. People hire who they know, but also they tend to go in a direction of, I'm going to hire this person because I knew their dad. 
And their dad did it at a high level for a long time. And, and you know who someone like that is? Lane Kiffin. Right. Lane Kiffin does not get near the opportunities at the age he got them. If not for Monty Kiffin being his father. It's just reality. Has Lane Kiffin done a good job in his third and fourth opportunities and fifth opportunity? Yes. If Lane Kiffin were a black guy that didn't have the last name Kiffin, when he gets fired from the Raiders, he doesn't get the head coaching job at Tennessee. I just don't think that he does. When he leaves Tennessee the way that he did, and then he goes to USC, and he gets fired at USC, he's probably not getting other head coaching gigs after that. But Kiffin's name helped him, Hutton. Yeah, and I'm looking through, uh, I'm just jotting down sons of coaches across the NFL, right? Uh, Kyle Shanahan, great coach, son of Mike Shanahan, and was on the staffs there. Uh, turns out to be one of the better offensive minds in the NFL and is a quarterback whisperer. You also have Nathaniel Hackett, son of Paul Hackett, who, you know, you've got uh, the certainly the, the connection there. there. There are many others, but you're right. I mean, the ascension up the ladder is a fast one if you pair up and you have success with your father's organization, right? If, you're, if your dad is the coach of a awful team, chances are you're not going to be on that staff very long because you want to separate, right? You don't want to be attached to what goes under. So I, there's the give and take there, but the successful coaches who have also brought their sons along through the ranks, I mean, a lot of those guys climb the ladder extremely fast compared to those that do the grunt work for a long time. And a long time would certainly be two decades at Ole Miss for Derek Nix. Well, and look, it's not it, – uh, this is a true in so many professions. Oh, There yeah. are so many professions ripe with nepotism, and it's not about the best person available. It's about whose uncle you have or whose cousin you are or who you know in that job. If you are working in a profession right now that your dad or your mom worked in – and you got opportunities at an early age for that. It's nepotism. There are plenty of announcers and sports broadcasters that have this. My parents didn't work in broadcasting, so I'm a first-generation sports broadcaster. If my daughters get into it and I can open a door for them, I will. And guess what that is? Nepotism. Connection. So, look, I'm not saying this to just rain on Lane Kiffin's parade. He's done a good job at Ole Miss. He's a good offensive coach. We can debate how great of a head coach he is and if he should have gotten as many opportunities as he's received as a head coach. But it is rich coming from Lane Kiffin, who got an opportunity at 32 years old, 32 or 31, as the Raiders head coach in the NFL. Why? Because of who his dad is. That's the biggest reason. Yeah, not having a ton of success through the college ranks either, but having the offensive coordinator background too with his uh, father being Monty, the longtime Tampa 2 uh, disciple and uh, apostle with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Chad, this weekend, uh, NFL preseason reaction, it, it happens, uh, the overreaction. Just keep in mind, not to, try not to overreact to two, three, four series, especially at the quarterback position where – C.J. Stroud is behind a backup offensive line. Anthony Richardson is uh, assumed that he needs a year, but they're trying to pick the pace and just fast forward a year in Indy. 
Uh, Will Levis is in a backup battle with Malik Willis with the Titans. And you've got Bryce Young, who is small in stature to begin with, behind what looks to be a bad Panthers offensive line where he's going to get crushed. Um, I say looks to be because, well, we're analyzing these snaps in C.J. Stroud's case, two series. Uh, we're looking at a stat line. None of these guys looked great, except for Stetson Bennett, which is also uh, one to raise an eyebrow with out in L.A. with McVay. But point being, I mean, it, unless you have a history of something to, to grade against, for instance, Trey Lance, who has not looked good in San Francisco, don't rock the boat over two or three possessions where a guy doesn't complete enough passes yet. It is way too early to assume that one guy is going to be better than the other based on the preseason games not mattering much. Pay attention to the joint practices. That is where you really have coaches that collaborate before the joint practices, and it's ones versus ones. It's good versus good. And right now, we're lucky as a football fan to tune into a preseason game and not, you know, and see a, a couple of starters that we'll see on the second week of September. Because right now, it's, it's bare bones on who's playing and who's not. You want the rookie quarterbacks to play and get some reps, but they're not playing with the guys, by and large, that they're going to be playing with on game day in September. Try to keep that in perspective instead of overreacting to a stat line. Well, this is where the interest of the NFL hurts the coverage of the NFL because everyone is so into it that everyone overreacts to anything preseason because you're so starved for it. And so it naturally leads to overreaction. Plays. Great plays. Uh, we mentioned Stetson Bennett, who, who looked pretty good. Um, but we're talking about a backup role there and a situation where the rookies who are drafted high should be starters – but in some cases, they either don't have to be based on the quarterback in front of them or they're with an organization that's speeding up the process like we're seeing with the Colts and Richardson while they try to get their run game going because Jonathan Taylor is back at the facility after leaving Indy, leaving camp uh, to go rehab his ankle on his own. He's still on PUP. The status remains the same. He still wants a new contract. All of that remains. Uh, but... He's back with the Colts, and that's better than him being away from the franchise, away from the front office that could potentially work out a deal the same way the Giants worked out with uh, worked out extra money or more money up front for Saquon Barkley. They need Jonathan Taylor in the backfield. Taylor is following in a weird way, Chad. I, I can't help but read into it what J.C. Treader, the president of the NFLPA, you know, he, he threw out there, with Ross Tucker on uh, Tucker's podcast, oh, what you know? What are guys going to do? Like just fake an injury? I'm paraphrasing, but Taylor has maintained he is not going to play until he is 100. percent Keep that in mind for a guy that had ankle surgery that should be back and said he was going to be able to go and be healthy in June at minicamp for training camp is now saying, yeah, I'm not playing until I'm 100. percent he may be falling into that line of thinking, and that is detrimental if he does. Yeah, it feels like Scottie Pippen in the last days. Why would you sign a player that does that? Yeah. If you're another team, why would you trade for a player that does that? It's, he's, he's only hurting himself, but this is where pride gets in the way. 
and he's trying to make a stand now, and he's being prideful about it, and I understand some of that, but this is not going to help him long-term. But also, what is long-term for these guys? Who do we have on last week who was saying, Six well, I don't, I don't know that if they go out and have a great year, they're going to get rewarded yeah, for Andrew it. Brandt. Andrew Brandt said that. Yeah, so I don't know what to tell them. It does doesn't it, mean they're going to get a great contract after it, that. Exactly. Does it help Jonathan Taylor to have a 2,000-yard season? Probably not. From Andrew Brandt's perspective, he didn't put the 2,000 marker on there, but probably not because the team can just franchise tag you, and it's far less money than whatever extension it's, it would cost the Colts against the cap. They have the money. They just don't want to invest it in the backfield. Not many teams do, and that's what they're faced with. Faking an injury is detrimental for Jonathan Taylor, not with the Colts. I mean, yes, with the Colts, but it's already bad blood. I'm just saying if he wants to be traded to another organization and get – a contract worked out, why would you even have that out there? Maybe his ankle is, you know, he's got something else going on that happened in between the surgery in January and camp or mini camp and then camp, maybe. But the Colts haven't put that out. In fact, they were, according to reports, contemplating putting him on the non-football injury list with his back. That's how crazy it's it's been received. Chad, the uh, ESPN partnership now with Penn Entertainment has brought up some of the ethical questions about broadcasts, journalism, and wagering. And with the ESPN Bet app, which is going to be what Barstool Sportsbook is or was, they're just going to flip it into ESPN Bet through PIN. They have said that uh, through ESPN that they are the network's insiders. I'm specifically thinking Schefter, uh, Woj, those guys are going to be kept far away from the gambling programs like Daily Wager, for instance. Uh, and they're going to continue at ESPN the, quote, high standard of journalistic integrity, end quote. This, to me, is no different than the window dressing of what the NFL is trying to have us all believe, that they are protecting the integrity of the, the sport and the game, when really it's just optics. They want to put this out there on the front end to make us all believe that everything's on the up and up when really everyone's in on the take. And if you have Schefter and Woj, it drops all kinds of news, breaking news. Uh, how can you not assume that they could change a line, that they could change a spread or impact the betting public that is you know, looking up any last-minute tidbits on a said player or said team based on an injury status, especially at the quarterback spot on a player who's questionable. And we don't know until an hour and a half before game time if, when the actives come out, who's playing and who's not. Well, it's why it's good to have a separation of church and state at times. And they and, do and in now, this deal. It, everything is a conglomerate. Everything has their hands in all pots at all times. And they're grabbing the gold however they can. So ESPN doing this is not a big surprise to me, and the fact that it's going to create some conflicts of interest and move betting lines and having your insiders having all this information and knowing how to release it and when to release it or not to release it based on how it's going to impact your own sports book you now own and operate with someone else or you're affiliated with, of course it's going to lead to problems. But this is where we are now. Everything is a conflict of interest. When the NFL is suspending guys – for the amount of games they are, but they're partnering 
with sports books, and they're putting sports books in stadiums moving forward. You see the problems with that. Yes. We've all seen it, but it's not going anywhere. You know, states aren't taking away the right to bet online on sports. They're That's adding right. as we go along. It's just going to get bigger and bigger. Yeah, because there's a ton of profit in that. And, and think about the power based on a tweet or a post from Schefter or Woj or Jeff Passan, you know, and, and knowing how it's going to impact what ESPN is going to do and what Penn Entertainment now has the authority to do based on the app that is partnered with the network. I mean, this isn't new. This is uh, certainly things that they could have been concerned with with FanDuel and DraftKings, who practically own the market and paid a, a ton uh, across the board to many networks here. But it's, it's interesting to see how they play it PR-wise versus what they're negotiating in a $2 billion deal where Penn Entertainment apparently uh, in negotiations with ESPN... Uh, the the offer that was first out there was four billion from the four letter network. They still end up paying up over a ten year period from Penn Entertainment to have the rights, but it's separate. It's a partnership, not a merger. Charlie Arnold joins us next from Outkick here on Hot Mike with Hutton Withrow. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Glad you're with us for Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow. And very special guest, Charlie Arnold from Outkick, who joins us weekly at this time. Charlie, good to see you. Hope the weekend went well. Hello, guys. Yeah, the weekend was fantastic. I'm trying to think what I did. Oh, yes. I was in town in New York City for the very first time since mid-June. So it was fantastic. It was nice to finally be home for once nice a nice uh, quiet weekend sometimes you need even yeah. even if you're in the loudest city in, in the world one of them <laughs> chad's, can happen. chad's weekend nearly started off in disaster and that helps us with the judge's ruling today yeah, let's get right into this charlie because i want you to rule on the following so i leave the facility here our studio on friday walk out to my car i'm going to rush to my daughter's first softball practice for fall ball that i'm the head coach of this team I walk right. to my car and there's a boot on my car where it has been locked in place. I am a paying subscriber to this parking lot. I'm currently in a loaner vehicle from a car dealership because my car is in the shop. I registered this loaner vehicle as one of my cars, but apparently they didn't get the memo and they had a third party booting service, towing service, booting cars. Okay. In the lot on Friday. So I was in such a hurry, I called the guy, and he was right there. So he got it off for $75. I would have probably said a lot of things to him had I not been in such a hurry, and I was just thrilled to pay the 75 so I could get to practice on time. Okay. But here's my question to you. What is appropriate when getting into it with someone or going off on them and telling uh -huh. them your problems when they're not the root of the problem? It's just a lower-level employee that is paid to be there 
putting boots on cars by a parking lot service that's a mega company. Fair foul if I go off on this person. Uh, it's foul because it's not their fault. They're just the, kind of like the intermediary, like you just mentioned. But I have so many examples of where I've been so frustrated, like customer service type of scenarios where something has happened, whether it's like, you know, you can't access your credit card or you are charged for something that you shouldn't have been or whatever the case, you're, let's say one of your utilities was turned off incorrectly, whatever the case is. You call, you're extremely frustrated, but it's not the person that answered the phone's fault, but obviously you're calling in like a very heated moment. Uh, and your first reflex is to just start spilling all of these emotions onto that person. But I think it's always important. I always preface, I'm like, listen, I know it's not your fault. I am just extremely frustrated. And usually they're like, I would be too. Um, but I always preface, I'm like, just in case I like I say something that comes across as maybe a little rude or out of character or, you know, not appropriate. I just let them know. I'm like, listen, I know it's not your fault. I'm just super frustrated right now. And I just want to get this figured out. Um, but yeah, you can't go off on those yeah, people. It's I not their fault. And especially like, you know what? Another really great example of this is at a restaurant yeah. when your order is wrong. I mean, there are some situations when it was the server who may have place the order incorrectly but a lot of times the kitchen staff or whomever just messes it up like you ask for a cheeseburger and they forget to put the cheese it's not the server's fault that they made a mistake so i think in those situations it's also important just to be mindful and usually the server is a super apologetic and they're like oh my gosh i'm so sorry so keep your cool my best advice you're right and that that's a that's well said that answer now i, I will say um if the attitude is bad when they come by, it may be a different story with me. But this guy's attitude was great. He's like, yeah. but he did. The one thing I did say, one little line I got in, he said, when I called him, he said, yeah, I'm, I'm actually pulling back in there. I'll, I'll pull right in there and find you. And he got out of the car. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm kind of in a hurry trying to get the price. I said, man, you're really lucky that I happen to be right in the lot. And I said, well, not as lucky as if you didn't put the boot on my car. But outside yeah. of that, yeah, I'm pretty lucky. <laughs> And then I told him what was going on, and he kind of laughed. And then he said, so you owe $180 in tickets. And I said, yeah, I'm not paying any of that. I'm going to call the, the lot because I am a subscribed member here. And he was cool. He said, oh, absolutely, yeah, get with them. You just have to pay me the 75 now to get going, which I paid happily just to get on my way. But I, Hutton, I agree with Charlie on this one. Weigh in. I, I think it's out of line to get on to the lower-level employee that probably has, well, not probably, you know has nothing to do with the situation. Yeah, and it's, uh, they're also in that role. It's a weird deal. Like, some of them are great at handling a very stressful situation, like an airline cancellation, for instance. Like, mm. you know, the, the person on the other end of the phone or at, at the airport is going to hear an earful, not just from any, like, any one individual, but an entire <laughs> flight. Um, like you just made me think of the, uh, the viral crazy yeah, plane lady. <laughs> yes. I mean, it's just, uh, that some people thrive in that. Some people don't, I couldn't do it. You know, um, it, it's like oh, you, I, you mentioned serving. I, I did it for one month at a restaurant and, and threw the, threw in the towel and said, I, I can't do this. I'm, no. I'm off to do something else instead of working at this restaurant. Now, Charlie, uh, service and hospitality is very tough and it requires a certain type of person like you, I am also not that person. So, you know. Especially well, Sunday lunch. We This is the rare one we all agree on. It's not okay to go after that person. Yeah. I will preface by saying I know that to be the case. 
But if there is a damn boot on my car when I leave today, <laughs> when the show is over, all bets are off because that is when I tell the company to remove it with no charge. And I go into my emails and say, here is my correspondence with the parking lot ownership group all weekend, by the way, that I went through to get the tickets erased because they shouldn't be on there. And here is my correspondence with your parent company to give me the $75 back from Friday. So you will remove it now for no charge, and then we won't have a problem. That will happen if it happens today. Are you going to ask for them to reimburse you for the 75 bucks? I've already asked it, yes. Okay, I was going to say I've, I've not received a response, but I went through like the online <laughs> complaint department where you send an email somewhere Chaz, and tell them your complaint. He's chatting with AI right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm chatting with someone in Mumbai yeah. right now uh, online. So we'll, we'll see if that happens or not. Charlie, uh, Charlie Arnold, our guest, very special guest here on Hot Mike with Hutton Withrow. Who do I complain to, invent to, based on this Musk and Zuckerberg fight not going to happen? Do I blame myself for even giving this a little attention? No, I think you would blame Mark Zuckerberg because as far as I was concerned, because he said right now that he considers it off because he doesn't think Elon Musk is serious about it. And he's looking for, you know, he takes the sport seriously. He wants a serious opponent, but didn't. Elon Musk just say he spoke to like someone very high up in Italy. I recall that being the case and said that they planned an epic location. So that sounds to me like Elon Musk is taking it seriously. I also saw that Elon Musk is dealing with some type of neck injury that he was getting an MRI on. So if that were the case where his injury were to be too severe, where he couldn't compete, might push back the date a little bit. But that to me does not say he's not serious about it, nor does he not want it to happen. So I think. Mark Zuckerberg got a little scared. Maybe he saw what the, you know, consensus was online as to who people wanted to see win. And maybe he just, you know, was like, listen, I just actually realized that this isn't just a regular fight where if I lose, it's on to the next. Like, this is going to be something that probably sticks with me for a long time. So looks to me like Mark Zuckerberg maybe just got a little bit of cold feet. So if you want to blame someone, I would blame him. But hopefully it still happens. You never know. Well, I also think Musk is like so not – he's more jokey about everything. You know, Zuckerberg doesn't have the best sense of humor. No. And, and at least Musk like tries to have a sense of humor about things, right? So we, we all know this. Like your friend who's real serious about something, but you always joke with them about that thing they're very serious about. So then eventually the friend that's very serious gets mad. That to me was the text exchange. It's kind of like, dude, yeah. I do this every day. I am training seriously to beat you up in the ring, and you keep making jokes about it. And Musk is making jokes about everything. It's like, you're not serious, fights off, you know, type thing. It's like that take my ball and go home moment from your I friend mean, who's way too serious about something. Yeah, I could see that, though, because I feel like also in relationships, you know, like let's say, for example, you constantly get on your – you know, significant other about something that they keep doing and you're frustrated and then they just keep making jokes about it. Eventually you would just be like, you know what? I'm done here. I have nothing left to say. Good luck to you. Well, <laughs> so I, I, I could see the frustration if, if that actually is, you know, the dynamic, how you're describing it. Yeah. And from the perspective of uh, both guys, like what, what do they have to gain in this? If they want to donate to charity, donate a billion dollars each to charity and you know, you have to fight for it. Well, they want to well, give the people think, what they want. Yeah, I mean, I think but, this is just something that um how did it come up in the first place? It was um I I don't even recall. It was it was very random. I remember one day it just I think Elon tweeted about it 
first. He like issued the challenge. Um, but yeah, I think it got to the point where, you know, Mark Zuckerberg does train and he yeah. like is looking for probable opponents, I would imagine. So, you know, and Elon just, here's the thing. I think Elon would train to the best of his abilities. I think we were, were talking about it last week where he has weights in his office because he doesn't actually have time to like properly yeah. train. So yeah. he's kind of doing them while he's on phone calls and like between little tasks here and there. But I don't think Elon at the end of the day would be so concerned um, about winning or losing. I think for him, like it doesn't really seem like Elon takes himself all that seriously. I mean, he's an ultra intelligent man. He's got a lot going on. I highly doubt winning an MMA match against Mark Zuckerberg would be like the end all be all or like something that would like cause him to go into hiding if things didn't go his way. Um, I think he knows that any publicity in a lot of cases is good publicity. So I think that's kind of where he's coming from, but, uh, how ridiculous would it be if it actually did happen? I mean, what a 2023 moment that would be. <laughs> and I, I just think about it from, you know, the perspective of like the, oh, the, you know, you, you've got Rockefeller, you know, battling Carnegie, Carnegie, or, you know, anyone from that era. And you're just thinking yeah. what that would have been like uh, with the rivalries <laughs> there compared to now, where it's like, I think Zuckerberg even said like, uh, just bring it to my backyard. <laughs> it's yeah. Sad. Well, I love how Zuckerberg's like, you know, Dana White has got us a great setup to do. I mean, he is, it feels like he's all in, but then he's like, well, this guy's not serious though, so I'm, I'm out. I'm backing out of it. And then Musk is like, oh, come on, man. Let's go. Let's just spar a little bit. Let's keep it going. Well, and you you kept hearing the different, the conflicting, you know, on one hand, you heard it was going to be at the Apex in Vegas and it was going to be sanctioned by UFC. And then on the other hand, you heard it wasn't going to be sanctioned by UFC and is going to be taking place at an epic location in Italy. So we have two very different tales being told here. Which one was the truth? I have no idea. Um, but I would I would prefer it to be at the um, the Roman Colosseum. I mean, that would be... Well, you'd get to go. I mean, if I were you, I'd root for that also, right, Charlie? Because you'd get to go cover it in Italy. That's a free trip I mean, to Italy for I you. I would insist on yes. covering it if this actually transpired. But as of right now, as we just heard, all up in the air, I guess. So I want to get your take. Final thing here. Final couple minutes. Uh, Charlie Arnold with us. Uh, so Jeffrey Loria, uh, form, former owner of the Miami Marlins um, for 15 years, then he sold it to a group that includes Derek Jeter. He said in a recent interview with the Miami Herald that Jeter destroyed the ballpark and specifically points out this sculpture, if you want to call it that, that was in the outfield, the home run sculpture uh, that Jeter got rid of. And I, when you see it, just your reaction to this, when he says, quote, destroying public art was a horrible thing to do. This goes back to my overall sentiment of who determines what is art and what isn't. We have some horrible things in Nashville that are supposedly art, quote unquote, that I think are eyesores. Oh, you Not, nothing is that is this bad, but the former owner apparently is sentimental about what looks like a kid's toy. <laughs> um. There is currently in Madison Square Park, which is in the Flatiron District in New York, there is like what looks like someone just TP'd the park. Um, it looks like people like took silly string and it's been strung all over trees. And and I was so confused because it's it's super ugly. Like it's one, it's like an, a complete eyesore. So there was a park employee the other day who was doing something, and I said, Hey, what when are they taking this down? Because honestly, I'm not going to lie. I thought it was something for pride. It looked like something like very strange that was put up for pride parade. And I just assumed it was going to come down soon after. And, and the employee was like, oh, this isn't coming down till December. This is for like 
I don't know, like some medical benefit. I don't even know what she said, but I was like, wow, this is so ugly and we have to live with it till December. I mean, who makes these decisions? I have no idea. But if I come across a photo or you know what, maybe I'll take a photo of it. And then next week I will, I'll have it for you that you can put it up so people can see just how ugly it is. It, it, uh, the, the sculpture here with the stadium with, in Miami, it's, it's so ugly that the artist told Loria that he didn't want to get involved in trying to get it back. <laughs> so the quote is, he didn't want to get involved. Now it will rot outside where it is, condemned to neglect and outdoor decay. I mean, this sounds like, like a SNL skit. But again, it, it like, might be worth even more now that Jeter is the one who destroyed it. Like I feel like that added value to it. So yeah. baseball fans, <laughs> let's let's get the auction going. I mean, you can do almost anything in the name of art, but it doesn't mean we have to respect it as art. Yeah. Correct. Right? It's 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 up once you put it into the world, it's up for the public to decide. It's now yeah. their gift that you've given to the world. I, they all decide what it is. I, again, I'm a skeptic. If I see that in the outfield, and that, that is, I'm told that that is a sculpture of art. I'm thinking that is something used to launder money. Like yeah. that's yeah. it. You paid a price to launder and clean money, and that's well, in Miami, that wouldn't be so you know out of the not accusing you know, realm of possibility. So this, this sculpture is the greatest thing that ever happened to the former uh, Miami Marlins owner, Charlie. Uh, thank you, Charlie. Thank you as always. We'll catch up next week. Bye, guys. Charlie Arnold there, Outkick. Uh, always great with us. Very special guest coming up, Professor Peyton. <laughs> or as got a ring to Eli it. calls it, I believe Easy e is what he tweeted. That's next. Glad you're with us. Hot Mike with Hutney Withrow rolls on. Hope everyone's having a great Monday. Coming up, we dive into the headline that's out there today based on a, a filing in court in Shelby County, Tennessee, from Michael Orr, who's saying he was never adopted. Yes, the blind side and the whole story, according to Orr and through his attorney, is a lie. That's Michael Orr wasn't adopted by Sandy Bullock, then what else are we to not believe I know. moving forward? You're telling me that the everyone's faith is shattered. You're telling me that the recruiting uh, scene with all the college coaches that that never happened either. Is that what we're going to find out next? You're telling me that Tim McGraw didn't mentor that young boy <laughs> and let him grow into the man that became Michael Orr and the star at his alma mater, Ole Miss. What else are you going to tell me next, Chad? What is true is Peyton Manning is teaching a course at the University of Tennessee. Professor Payton uh, is returning as a, as a teacher. He's going to be uh, in the field of College of Communication and Information. Where he majored. And he, I mean, also with Omaha Productions, I'm assuming this is going to be huge for someone to get their foot in the door with all of this too. Uh, but he will, he will join select classes during the academic year as a featured expert and will work alongside faculty members on campus. So this will be in person as I read through this. And that's the unusual part of it. Uh, and the cool part, like, I think uh, 10, 15, maybe they're still doing it. I don't hear about it as much, but 10, 15 years ago in college, like my, the college I attended, the coach, the football coach had a one course per semester. 
I, don't, I feel like Fulmer at Tennessee did it as well. Other SEC coaches, Big Ten coaches, had different things that they were at least uh, by title their name was attached to. Um, in this case, can you imagine trying to get this course and sign up through this major just to take the, for the possibility that you're getting one of the classes that he's going to be a part of? I mean, if you're a student at Tennessee in the College of Communications, it's like hitting the lottery. If you actually get in this class that he's physically there teaching it, it would be hitting the lottery for a college student. It's what? awesome. When I first saw the headline, I thought, oh, he's going to do this on Zoom, and it's not going to be that right. big of a deal. But when I saw he's physically in person in Knoxville, really cool. He's back for his, his third season of Manning cast, which is crushing it. Um, yeah, the quote for Manning, my time as a student was a foundational experience during which I learned critical skills and messaging techniques that I continue to put to use almost daily. I look forward to working with the college's talented faculty and directly with students in an effort to ensure they are all well prepared for their future careers. Um, I don't know. Whenever we were, everyone speculated, about, oh, what's Brady going to do? What's Manning going to do? I don't think anyone ever threw out a faculty member on, on a college campus as one of those options. This is cool. Uh, and again, like uh, the waiting list for this is going to be insane. Well, Manning has just, Peyton I'm talking about, not Eli or Archie, has just done a little bit of everything. I mean, it's been a very relaxed yet public retirement so far. He's in the public eye, but he just seems to be a guy enjoying life and doing things that interest him. Whether it be the Manning cast, whether, whether it be producing a series like Quarterback on Netflix, or being a college professor, or... Going and watching a bunch of football games right. in person with his kids. He's kind of just doing, dipping his toes here and there and whatever he wants to do and not making a big-time commitment in any one area. I think it's brilliant. <laughs> Eli Manning retweeted the story about uh, Manning uh, returning to uh, the uh, – about Peyton returning to campus and just said easy A, which is hilarious, uh, comparing it to the movie. Who was in that? Emma Stone? Um, yes, Emma Stone, Stone wasn't easy. Whatever happened to her? She, um, you know, Jennifer Lawrence kind of went away for a while too, but she's in the movie that I want to see that was out this summer. Um, no Hard Feelings, I think is the name of it. I don't okay, know if it's yeah. on streaming yet or not, but I need to check that out now. That's a good reminder. Um, Emma Stone hasn't done a lot. She was big for a time, but then kind of went away. You think, uh, you think Peyton's on a teacher's salary, Jeff? I think Peyton is probably doing this pro bono. I don't think he's getting paid anything to do it. And there's going to be cameras rolling. No for doubt. For something. Peyton's places can be his, yeah. his season teaching. What if they uh, brought back MTV Cribs <laughs> and it was just Peyton in like a college off-campus apartment in Knoxville? That's where he lives when he's teaching the class and that they, they just show his off-campus apartment? Uh, a lot has changed. Uh, since you and I were in school, since Peyton certainly played at Tennessee. But uh, Arch Manning, by the way, apparently had a great scrimmage and a great weekend of practice. That's news out of Austin. He's better than any of the quarterbacks on the field, according to uh, two reports I was reading over the weekend. Um, it's crazy to look and continue to see the upgrades in the programs in high school for Texas high school football. Walnut Grove High School is in Prosper, Texas, and the facilities are better than some of the Division I colleges by far. Uh, from the training room to the, they have a Sonic 
They have a food court. They have Jimmy Johnson. This is just the football facility, the athletic facility. The basketball arena uh, looks like something brand new that Dayton, Ohio could use for the first four. The, the, the weight room is better than some NFL weight rooms that you will see in a facility. And then the, the indoor practice field. And then, Chad, the football stadium itself is magnificent. The money that goes into Texas high school sports. And I, I saw all this over the weekend, and I thought, this is Deion Sanders. This is Deion Sanders' territory. With all of the different trips that Colorado will be making in the Big 12, if you want to get away, but you want to stay close to your hometown, and you want your family to watch you, even if you're playing for the Buffaloes, you can do it with Primetime, who certainly knows the state very well. Well, my first thought is, who's funding this project? Because that is a lot of the same people funding tax money. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, but look, I think it's I think it's a combination of both. I think they they do a lot with their tax allocation into academic. When I mean academic, high school athletic facilities, but also the high schools themselves because they're so huge in Texas. I mean, the graduating classes at some of these places rival major universities. Yes, with the amount of public school kids that are in these these huge schools. Medium income, by the and, way, and yeah, I mean, it's it's it, people that have a lot of oil money or a lot of you know uh, generational wealth that put money back into high school programs in these states. Mm-hmm. I mean, Friday Night Lights isn't that far off. Varsity Blues isn't that far off from some of these places. Prosper is a great name for it. Yeah, Prosper, Texas. Uh, the median household income. I'm just looking this up. Uh, not as much as I would expect. It's 159 thousand per household. That's the median, though. I know. That's, that's really good. No, but I'm saying like for kids that are going to – like we don't have stadiums like this for the upper echelon uh, city no. that we're in. No, not at all. The, the boosters. The, the Jumbotron is, is really nice <laughs> at, this, at this place. Incredible. The, the upgrades are, are for real. Um, Chad, the story of ESPN reportedly asking $4 billion from Penn National – uh, over the 10 years as a betting partner. They get it down to, what, 1.5 or 2 over a 10-year uh, payment schedule. And for from from both ends, Penn Entertainment, they get regulation. They get their license that they were saying that Barstool was keeping them from on the paperwork that was needed uh, to stay legal and to stay active in certain states, even in Massachusetts, which was used as one example. Uh, that Portnoy even alluded to whenever they got rid of Mincy. Um, They now partner with ESPN, who has roughly 117 unique hits on their website compared to 8 million on average for Barstool. And the distribution there, where every program is going to be mentioning this, uh, you download the ESPN Bets app and, you know, who knows where it leads, but what it does do, is it puts them in a stratosphere with FanDuel and DraftKings uh, compared to where they were, which was 2% of the state of Illinois, for instance, compared to 49-51% for FanDuel or DraftKings in the same state. From ESPN's standpoint, when we alluded to this, uh, what, 15, 20 minutes ago, Chad, they separate, but they partner. You know, it's a completely different branch and a different building and more or less the deal is tied to the licensing of the ESPN brand 
that Penn Entertainment now owns. But beyond that, they're getting paid, I mean, uh, one and a half to two billion over 10. And then you see it rise as we will watch that app continue to grow over the foreseeable future. Uh, it's a... Uh, it worked for both. Yeah, two big questions I have, though, about how successful this is going to be. One, is ESPN too late to the game? Because we have seen a plateauing effect when it comes to sports gambling, especially in marketing dollars they're spending and profits they're making, because they've been losing Let's go a one lot. by one. Because keep number two in mind here. Number one for me is they're not too late because the other apps, FanDuel and DraftKings, they don't offer many special offers for current subscribers, current yeah. users of the app. In this case, you should be getting some type of benefit for signing up for the first time. And then to me, that's what would keep me coming back to any of them. Any of those platforms would be those that already are on, on the app and, and linked to it have a reason to throw in more based on the current subscribers, not new subscribers, new downloads. Well, the second part of this is this is where I think they could succeed big time. I go to ESPN for scores all the time. It's where I go on my phone for scores. If you can tie everything in to me watching the game on ESPN+, Plus, the baseball game I'm going over to or whatever it may be, to betting mm -hmm. right there on the same app, you might have me. Because I'm going to two separate places. I'm going to a FanDuel account to bet, and I'm going to ESPN to watch or see scores for the most part. But if you can tie that interface, which I think is the best. So you're saying it needs to be better scores. than whatever FanDuel's doing when it shows you the score. Yes. Um, yeah, I mean, I, that's... There's a lot more video options, too, through ESPN with their rights. But they... that's Yeah, you're right. But they would need the ESPN app platform, not the Penn Entertainment platform, right? I'm just trying to think it through yeah. on what they, what well, they, they have the rights to, to and what they don't. I don't know don't. if it's even possible. They'd have to tie the two together. ESPN.com would have to be ESPN Bet also. All one. Yeah. And that's where it gets tricky on the optics of things, right? That's what they're trying to stay away from. Meanwhile, you've got the Big Ten looking at Vegas for a Big Ten championship game now because you can tie in, starting next year, USC and UCLA and Oregon and I, I love these reports coming off the heels of one of their schools being investigated by the Iowa Gaming I, Commission. While uh, the Iowa Hawkeyes are betting the under on themselves, Big Ten is in talks with Vegas to host the – Conference championship game, which is hilarious. Well, I mean, the hypocrisy is And also is the perfect, perfect encapsulation of 2023 college sports is that story. And, and conference expansion compared with, like, like you're saying, the debate on Capitol Hill about regulation for name, image, likeness, and the transfer portal for players. Where they don't want them to be, earn the status of employee, and they don't want them to have you know, the, the at-will employee status either. And they also have avoided, for the most part, saying revenue share. But at least some of the coaches have in recent weeks. And that's what I they're trying to avoid be all with regulation. It. It, it's, yeah. the, it's the people above the coaches. School presidents, NCAA that doesn't want it. But the coaches, they'd be fine with that. Like, oh, so we have this much to allot them? Great. Let them have it. You know, that, that would be their attitude. And the revenue share would lead to a union. Because that's where, if you really want the college NFL, quote-unquote, and I'm not saying if you want it, if you are curious about how the model would work, uh, that's where the player union would step in. And the, the NFL model for that through revenue share is the media rights, where the players get 49.5% of an annual rights fee from all the different networks. 
that would be where we would be headed down the path. Maybe we were already headed that way. Uh, but right now, it's like 9% of their athletic budget, by and large, and they don't want it to get to 49.5%. So you have federal law instead of NCAA rules that the NCAA can't enforce, which, you know, they're struggling to even do that with Jim Harbaugh, having to release statements about cheeseburgers. We'll, we'll get into that as we lead off the final hour of the Monday edition. That plus Michael Orr saying, in fact, he was never adopted. Saying the Tuies have lied to everyone. Details next on Hot Mike with Adam Withrow. <laughs> 